we decided that given the pandemic and the pressure, the need, the urgent need to better understand the events that follow SARS-CoV-2 infection, we decided to study COVID from our perspective, that so the perspective of DNA damage lab and the cellular senescence lab and the telomere biology lab. Amidst all the uncertainty surrounding the recently emerged pathogenic coronavirus SARS-CoV-2, one feature of the disease it causes has been clear from the outset and has remained consistent. A strong age-dependent component, with the elderly accounting for a very large fraction of severe cases and deaths. What determines this increased susceptibility to COVID-19 is the subject of intense research. Sada Sepe and collaborators have just published in EMBO Reports a paper entitled DNA Damage Response at Telomeres Boosts the Transcription of SARS-CoV-2 Receptor, ACE2, During Aging. We spoke with the study's senior author, Dr. Fabrizio Dada di Fagagna. Welcome to the EMBO Podcast. My name is Fabrizio Dada di Fagagna. I'm a scientist in AFOM. This is a research center supported by IRC, which is the main Italian cancer charity. And I have also a position within the CNR, which is the Consiglio Nazionale delle Ricerche, which is a governmental institution. And in, in an institute in Pavia, which is nearby Milan, I have a group running there as well. The main research focus of my lab is to study how cells respond to DNA damage in physiological settings. And the physiological settings, and actually physiological and pathological settings that we are studying are cancer and aging. And experimentally speaking, this means we study the biology of the telomeres, which are uh, chromosome ends that actually don't signal as broken DNA ends, and we study their role in the context of cellular senescence, we demonstrated that cellular senescence is triggered by tumor dysfunction. And therefore, we are studying the process of cellular senescence, both in the context of aging and cancer. The clinical evidence already suggests that the elderly are more prone to SARS-CoV-2 infection. And it's unclear why. So is this because they are overall frail people? or maybe their immune system is not as effective as it could be or should be as it is in younger infected people, or maybe it's something cell intrinsic. So maybe the entry point is somehow different or it is modulated differently in young versus old people. And so this is actually the point that we wanted to investigate. And so we focus our attention on ACE2. ACE2 is the receptor on the cell membrane that the virus exploits in order to enter the cells. And a little bit based on the literature, but mostly supported by our own uh, investigations, we observed that uh, when we were looking at the lungs of young and old, both human patients, but also mice, we observed that the ACE2 was higher in uh, old patients rather than young patients. So this may immediately suggest that elderly or old people which have a higher level of S2 maybe will be more easy to infect. So understanding whether 
ACE2 is truly regulated during aging would provide an important information about their vulnerability upon their infection. So we observed that when we look at uh, lungs of young and old humans or young and old mice, which as you will know is a convenient annual model, we observed that the ACE2 was increasing with aging, with the age of humans and with the age of mice. This uh, control, this, uh, this uh, control that increased expression was at the transcriptional level, so the protein is more transcribed. And so this hinted to a different activity of the transcriptional promoter. And I will come back to this. So what, what really was probably the, the turning point in our story, because of course so far it was just a, a correlation. All people, more as two. But then we realized that if you take mice of the same age, so both young mice, but one is a wild-type mouse, the other is a mouse with critically short telomeres, because we engineered that mouse strain to have shortened and therefore damaged telomeres, and so these mice have a number of age-related conditions. Well, we observed that these mice, which have the same age of wild-type mice, again, they have higher levels of ACE2. So this immediately told us that maybe tumors were maybe playing a, an important role in regulating ACE2 expression. We exploited uh, different mouse models. We use uh, wild-type mice, and this allowed us to demonstrate that physiologically, during normal aging, ACE2 levels increase with the age of the mice. We use a mouse model in which we can inducibly and very quickly observe, induce, cause tumor dysfunction by, in this case, removing TRF2. So it's a transgenic mouse which allows the loss of TRF2. And here we see that DNA damage response increases. And the third animal model that we use are telomerase knockout mice. These are mice in which we inactivated telomerase. Mice starts with long tumors and therefore in order to see a telomeric phenotype, meaning that uh, in order to uh, have mice with sufficiently short telomeres to develop a, a pathology or somehow a, an aberrant physiology, you have to breed them for a number of generations until telomeres become sufficiently short to develop again a phenotype. So we use the third generation of these telomerase knockout mice, and if you take young wild-type mice and young uh, telomerase knockout mice, you observe that the ACE2 is much higher in these telomerase knockout mice. So again, consistent with the notion that telomere dysfunction is sufficient to trigger uh, the increase, the observed increase of ACE2 level. And then we thought, okay, is it the DNA damage at the telomeres per se, or maybe how cells respond to DNA damage, the DNA damage signaling event that follow the detection of DNA damage that actually control ACE2 expression. So we did some very simple experiment. We, we take the ACE2 promoter and we, 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 engineer, we engineered a plasmid. So the ACE2 promoter is cloned upstream of a, a reporter gene. And we introduced this construct in cells. We damaged the cells and we observed that the ACE2 promoter was much more active than in undamaged cells. So this immediately told us that the promoter responds to DNA damage. So it's not DNA damage per se that is the cause of ACE2 increase, is how cells respond to DNA damage. 
and therefore we use some drugs which are a generic inhibitor of house cells respond to DNA damage. A large protein kinase known as ATM is one of the apical key regulators of cellular DNA damage response. If we inhibited ATM pharmacologically, ATM is a kinase, so we use a small molecule that inhibits its kinase activity. We reduced the increased expression of S2 following DNA damage, so we could uncouple DNA damage from the DNA damage response activation that obviously was leading to S2 level. So we were pleased with that, but of course there was no link to telomere biology. Jean Passos is an associate professor at the Mayo Clinic working on the biology of aging. His group focuses on telomeres, the DNA damage response, cellular senescence, and mitochondrial dysfunction. Dr. Passus, who was not involved in the study, gave us his assessment of its overall significance. One of the big questions that we have right now is exactly why, what are the mechanisms that make older individuals more susceptible to uh, severe disease upon infection with, uh, with SARS-CoV-2. So we still don't understand the mechanisms, but we know that aging is a major driver. So, and obviously we're trying to understand the mechanisms and telomere dysfunction is one of the, uh, the mechanisms that drives aging. But obviously how do you connect telomere dysfunction with, uh, with increased uh, susceptibility to a viral infection? I think that, uh, I mean, this connection that uh, telomere dysfunction or that the DNA damage response is, is driving expression of the receptor that facilitates the entry of the virus, so ACE2, is, I think, a very exciting observation. Investigating a possible connection between the DNA damage response, telomere biology, and ACE2 expression was a problem Dada Di Fagagna was well positioned to tackle. His experience in the field went all the way back to his postdoctoral work with Steve Jackson in Cambridge when they published a seminal, highly cited paper in Nature in 2003 showing that broken or critically short telomeres activate the DNA damage response. Years later, now leading his own lab in Milan, Dada Di Fagagna and his collaborators described a surprising new pathway for the DNA damage response at compromised telomeres. This was something unexpected that we were, uh, we still are very, very proud of what we found. It was uh, to an extent painful because we were not an RNA lab, so we have to transit from being a telomere biology cellular senescent lab into almost an RNA lab. So there was already, the history goes that there was already in the literature some evidence, but maybe preliminary, that the RNA somehow could control the formation of the DNA damage response foci, which are these assemblies of proteins that aggregate at sites of DNA damage and somehow uh, fuel or allow DNA damage signaling and DNA damage repair. So leveraging on that uh, initial observations by others, uh, we eventually demonstrated that, and I go then straight to the, <laughs> cut straight to the chase. So we discovered that wherever DNA breaks uh, in the genome, that will lead to the recruitment of RNA pro 2 which is an active RNA pro 2 that will transcribe bidirectionally damage-induced long non-coding RNA. So in other words, double strand breaks behave as bidirectional transcriptional promoter, which was obviously a quite a provocative finding at the time. 
we then observe that these RNA are further processed by Drosch and Dysel, which are the same endoribonucleases that uh, process the precursors of canonical microRNAs. Um, but these events instead occur at the sites of DNA damage within the nucleus. And so this D-link RNA, damage-induced long non-coding RNA, are processed into shorter uh, 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 RNA that we called DDRNA. And together, when the small RNA bind back to the complementary unprocessed longer D-link RNA, this web of RNA-RNA interaction somehow stabilizes the proteins at the sites of DNA damage in the form of this uh, DNA damage response force. We really had to fight uh, nearly two years to get the first story out, and it was a, a long fight uh, also for the uh, second and the follow-up stories. Now, less and less, but uh, certainly it's not mainstream. In a 2017 Nature Communications paper with first author Francesco Rossiello, Ladada di Fagagna lab showed that dysfunctional telomeres also induced long non-coding RNAs that were then processed by Drosha and Dicer to generate short non-coding RNAs, which activate the DNA damage response. It's an interesting new take on the cell biology of telomeres. We asked Dr. Passus to comment on how well established this regulatory mechanism is in the broader telomere biology community. I think that at the moment, majority of the papers on this area, as far as I know, have been published by, by this group. But um, I mean, I think we are at the moment trying to, to follow some of these observations as well in, in my lab. Um, but I'm, I, I'm not aware of other publications where this has also been, been demonstrated independently. But I, I mean, the data is very compelling. Now, in EMBO reports, the Dada di Fagagna lab proposes that the DNA damage response triggered by dysfunctional telomeres may increase ACE2 expression, though it is not exactly clear how. Both the, the group uh, of uh, Dr. Dada di Fagagna, also my own group, have demonstrated a few years back that uh, if you have damage at telomere regions, these regions are not easily repaired. So they lead to a, a DNA damage response that may be constantly signaling. And this may be a mechanism that is driving this ACE2 expression. The mechanisms by which the DDR lead to ACE2 expression, I think, have not yet been elucidated in this, in this paper. EMBO reports doesn't necessarily need a fully realized mechanistic story to accept the manuscript for publication. Esther Schnapp has worked on spinal cord regeneration in the axolotl and muscle development during her PhD and postdoc. She's been a scientific editor at EMBO Reports for 13 years. She handles manuscripts on chromatin, RNA, translation and transcription, and neuroscience. Esther explained what kinds of manuscripts are a good fit for EMBO Reports. When Ember Reports was launched was that we publish short papers or reports that provide novel, interesting findings, but not necessarily a deep understanding of an underlying mechanism. And I mean, by now, Ember Reports publishes short reports and long articles, but we still do have the report section. And this section looks exactly for this kind, these kind of studies. We look for novel interesting findings with some functional insights. So in this case, for example, the functional insight would be that it's DNA damage signaling that induces or boosts AC2 expression. 
um, but we do not understand in detail how this works. So it's an interesting novel finding of interest for the community. Other people can now go and use this and work on it further. But the study itself does not provide a very complete story yeah, with, with all the details. Another um, type of paper that Ember Reports likes to attract or will be very happy to publish are confirmatory findings of really important novel data that are confirmed by an independent research group. And an example would be, yeah, for example, non-coding RNAs being generated at DNA damage sites and then also showing that they have a functional role. And if there was only a single paper published on that topic, Amber Reports would be very happy to publish an independent study from an independent group showing very similar results. What we have had for a long time now is the scooping protection, which means that when you submit a manuscript, then we do not consider anymore from the time of submission what is published elsewhere. So any papers that come out after the submission of a manuscript to Ember Reports, papers that come out in a different journal are not considered as novelty compromising. Dada de Fagain and his team had shown that dysfunctional telomeres and the associated DNA damage response may be driving increased DACE2 expression. They also show that this can be counteracted by pharmacologically inhibiting ATM, a key player in the DNA damage response. The lab had pioneered an experimental approach to more specifically target the RNA-mediated response to telomere damage they described in 2017. We identified a way to selectively inhibit the DNA damage response only in the telomeres, and this is by inhibiting the RNA, which are specifically and selectively induced at the telomeres when they become dysfunctional. So we inhibit them with the antisense oligonucleotide molecules, which are essentially nucleic acids. They are synthetic nucleic acids, which bind to this telomeric RNA. They inhibit their functions, and therefore they inhibit the ability of this telomeric RNA to activate the DNA damage response at dysfunctional tumors. So in other words, instead of using a broad, generic, non-specific ATM inhibitor, we use selective inhibitors of the DNA damage response at the telomeres and the telomeres only. And what we observe, not only in vitro, but most importantly in vivo, that mice with critically short telomeres, which had heightened levels of S2, if treated with our telomeric antisense oligonucleotide, well, these mice had lower levels of, of S2. So we could control the aberrant pathological increase of S2 with this antisense oligonucleotides approach. Certainly we see a potential for the therapeutic use of our approach. And this may also go beyond uh, COVID-19 because when we analyzed uh, telomerase knockout mice, we observed they have many features that are observed in humans with uh, conditions associated with aging which are worsened if the person, for instance, has some tumor dysfunction for some genetic reasons. And so therefore now we are treating these telomerase knockout mice with this uh, antisense approach and what we observe, there are, uh, we, we, we could observe a number of improvements uh, in uh, many organs which were quite dramatic 
And so now we are uh, characterizing in more details the, the way this uh, uh, tumor dysfunction causes the disease and, and how this uh, antisense approach ameliorates these pathological conditions. So now we've come to the elephant sitting calmly in a corner of the room, playing solitaire. The current interest in the regulation of ACE2 expression is, of course, more than just academic. What we really want to know at this point is, does telomere damage affect susceptibility to infection by SARS-CoV-2, and does this in part help to explain the increased incidence of severe COVID-19 in the elderly? It's a question that the Fagagna and collaborators plan to tackle. It's a very direct question, but experimentally, it's far from trivial. Working with a highly contagious human pathogen is not simple and experiments must be done in BSL-3 or higher conditions, or else imperfect surrogates must be used, like pseudoviruses bearing the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein. Pseudoviruses are a good model for some aspects of infectivity, but they may not be appropriate to study the incidence of severe disease. Alternative models include transgenic mice expressing humanase 2 or mouse-adapted SARS-CoV-2 strains. But since Sepe et al.'s work centers on the regulation of ACE2 expression, the use of a transgenic system may be problematic, and it would still require high safety conditions using the wild-type SARS-CoV-2 strain. And it is not clear how faithfully mouse-adapted strains recapitulate human COVID-19 pathophysiology. In the meantime, other therapeutic approaches to aging and COVID-19 are being explored. was a, a paper that was published this year in July in Science. That was by uh, the group from Paul Robbins uh, and uh, Lauren Ederhoff, and also had people here from, from Mayo Clinic, uh, James Kirkland. They've shown that if you take aged mice, uh, if you infect them with a sort of uh, coronavirus, but a beta coronavirus, so not exactly the, the, the human, the SARS-CoV-2, but uh, these mice have basically, you know, you can kill 100% of these mice, but then if you uh, treat these mice with senolytic drugs, so, dr so drugs that eliminate senescent cells, you can actually extend the, the lifespan of uh, aged mice under these conditions. And also if you genetically uh, remove P16 positive cells, so this kind of demonstrates that senescent cells are somehow also contributing to the negative outcomes that you see uh, during SARS-CoV-2 infection. So obviously this is connected with, with this paper because while they demonstrate that senescent cells are involved, they don't actually have a mechanism by which why, why would senescent cells be uh, responsible for increased uh, susceptibility to uh, death or negative outcomes, I think that it would be really interesting to know if senescent cells are actually having an increased expression of this AC2 of the receptor, uh, and if this makes them more susceptible to, to infection. Uh, and this, has, as far as I understand, has not been demonstrated. Neutrophil activation and neutrophilia are frequent features of severe COVID-19. Interestingly, the Passage Group recently published a paper in the EMBO Journal linking neutrophils and telomere damage. We think that um, inflammation by itself, uh, and uh, if you have, let's say, accumulation of senescent cells in, in tissues, 
uh, this may lead to recruitment of immune cells, including neutrophils. And neutrophils can actually exacerbate uh, telomere-associated DNA damage. So that's what we, we demonstrated, that uh, you, you, know, you have, with age, you get an accumulation of, of senescent cells, and then senescent cells via the SASP, so this senescence-associated secretory phenotype, they recruit the immune system potentially to, to remove the senescent cells, but at the same time, the immune system uh, may also lead to, to sort of bystander damage in surrounding cells and exacerbate uh, senescence. So it's a, it's a kind of uh, positive feedback loop. And particularly if with age, you know, the immune system is not as uh, effective, it may cause more damage than in, in a young individual. To find out more about the Dada di Fagagni Group's research, you can go to ifom.eu. Their paper, DNA Damage Response at Telomeres Boosts the Transcription of SARS-CoV-2 Receptor ACE2 During Aging, is free to read at embolreports.org. You can also find it at the Embo Press Collection of Open Access COVID-19 Papers. To learn more about Jean Passos' work, visit his lab page at mayo.edu. Thank you for listening to the Embo Podcast.